All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne. And it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we have such a beautiful, stunning, brilliant human, Chrisette, on the show, who is a Grammy award-winning recording artist who has collaborated with hip-hop icons like Jay-Z, Rick Ross, and Nas, as well as R&B soul singers such as John Legend and Music Soul Child. Chrisette has also performed internationally from South Africa to Amsterdam and has been invited to sing at the White House multiple times by former President uh, Barack Obama. In addition to her musical achievements, Chrisette has been involved in various initiatives, including partnering with the American Heart Association and VH1, Save the Music, to raise awareness about healthcare and education disparities. She has empowered young people through motivational speaking engagements at universities like Harvard and has made an impact at women's empowerment and entrepreneurial events. She has also focused on promoting inner peace and mental wellness earning her yoga association teacher training certification and organizing wellness events through her soft life circle gatherings. Who are you? Uh, people say I, I'm not what I do, but you are what you do. Like, yeah. and if you aren't, then you're not doing it. Um, so I am a young lady who's sitting at the White House multiple times. I am a girl who's traveled all over the world and continues to do so. Um, I am a Grammy Award winning recording artist. Um, and that is how I spend my day. That's how I spend my time all the time. Yeah. It, 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 and you don't realize it, um, you know, sometimes when you're doing it because you're creating as you go. Um, the easiest way to describe myself is the creative. Mm. Well, I was going to say, because that those are the things you're doing. And it's incredible that you're doing the things that, you know, light you up and you're, you're meant to be doing. But I guess what I wonder is like, what are the, what are some of those characteristics behind that, that if, if you weren't traveling the world and you're doing other things like those I mean, the creative aspect, obviously, I feel like would surface, but I'm curious, like, what are those things that, that, like, those fundamental characteristics of who Chrisette is? Like, what are those? A people lover, um, mm. super curious, um, annoyingly inquisitive, um, yeah. always in a state of wonder. At every moment of the day, um, it gets on people's nerves. <laughs> um, so I often say, if I'm asking too many questions, tell me to stop. Um, I pick up dirt in different cities to see what's in the soil. Um, I, I am that. the epitome of curious. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've come to the right place. I mean, this is a show all yeah. about good questions and someone who studies questions for a living. So uh, I'm all about that. What was yeah, life? And, and, and with, yeah, with human beings, well, with human beings, I think, so my idea is that, or just an idea is that the, the beginning of love is the, the ability to see. And so with humans, uh, seeing and curiosity, I think, is a measure of love or the beginnings of it. And then mm. the doing part is the action of love. So, yeah, being curious is probably my love language. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And have you, were you always like that as a kid as well? Annoyingly. Yeah. yeah. They call it social butterfly in, um, in school. But it was, it was a myriad of questions. And it was staying after um, school in certain classes like English and art and uh, music. Um, just to, yeah. to to ask more questions, biology. So what do you mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so how, 
how did it all begin? Like a Grammy is huge. There's so many people that have, you know, that as, as an objective and, you know, to, to land a recording deal and all of that. And I mentioned some, you know, some people that you've collaborated with many, but these are, these are people that, wow. I mean, these are, I would say, you know, many humans that have, have and have the opportunity to shift culture. I mean, and that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of, of influence with your, with your art and your work. So how did it all begin for you? Like, where, where did it start? Um, so I was in college. I was in college for a vocal jazz performance, and I had been studying jazz since I was a little kid, uh, playing the saxophone from the time I was eight, um, inspired by like the Blues Brothers and Art Blakey and, and Sarah Vaughan and hip hop. So it was this okay. this myriad of, of of classical theater uh, background, jazz and hip hop that led me to go to school. Um, I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to ask questions from the world. I wanted to go outside. I felt like mm. it was finally playtime for real um, at 18 years old. Um, but I went to school instead and I got to study theory, which is one of my favorite uh, music subjects because it is um, how chords are created and, and what they reveal. Um, how they make people feel, um, and then what kind of melodies you can put on top. So that songwriting experience and that that um, that immersion in songwriting and and in the writing of music from from Bach to Beyonce, um, it it made me be still with lyrics, um, and it made me be really still with melody. And I fell deeply in love with melody. And what I found culturally was that certain melodies are more popular in certain cultures. And I right. hadn't, I hadn't realized that. I didn't realize that um, Sarah McLaughlin was white okay. and um, Beyonce was black. And in the music business, um, they call that, that the difference between mainstream music and urban music. Oh, so wow. uh, at the end of college, I was in my last year of college. And of course, I knew their skin tones <laughs> were the skin <laughs> tones, but I never associated the sounds of music with with the color of skin. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I'm in the end, end of college and I'm writing all these songs and I didn't know anything about um, the music business. I didn't know about record labels. I didn't it didn't occur to me that I would want one or, or get one. But one of my friends said, let's go record all the songs you've written. I bet you I can control a record deal in one year. And I was like, oh, that sounds ridiculous. It sounds very hip hop and street. And, and I'm not, I want to sing at Lincoln Center. Yeah. So we record this um, album. He brings it to the different record labels in New York City where we, where we lived. And I got a record deal in much less than a year. He walks me, and I'm making a long story short, but he yeah, walks yeah. me record label. And I got signed the day I walked in. Um, so that was the beginning of okay. me, of me being in the business, so to speak. So you were just like, what was, did you have a goal at that point? I mean, you were in school, obviously you're, I, I feel, and I could be projecting, but I feel like you were just there literally following your curiosity and, and kind of seeing where it would go. Exactly. And I didn't know that curiosity went places. So I was just questioning everything. I didn't realize that I was following something. Um, and so that can be very dangerous, of course, because it can lead you somewhere. And people can see your inquisitiveness and say, oh, I can show her another answer. Mm -hmm. You know, and because you're so curious, you follow that answer. 
Um, but yeah, I was in school following my curiosity. My favorite thing to do, um, you know, performance wise was to do jazz standards. Um, okay. And there were so many opportunities in New York to just go places and sing. Um, yeah. That was a lot of fun for me. And then, so what was that, what was that time of your life like? Like, I, I, I don't know if it was on another interview or, or something I read, but you mentioned something where I, I, the visual I had was you're sitting kind of in a, all on, on, at a long table and like Rihanna was there and it's like, you're just now, now that I know about this curiosity, like I can see, I, I see another angle to what you share. Cause you were, you're listening to like what they were saying and how they were reacting and so forth. Like, what was that? Because many of us just don't have that vision of what that world looks like. So what, what were those early days like for you? Sure. So in school at the end, because you're in New York City, you can produce shows wherever you want to produce shows. And because you're a college student, people give you a lot of leeway to kind of play in their venues. Mm. And so we'd produce shows. By the time I got signed, it was me, Rihanna, Justin Bieber, um, and Mariah Carey, and then uh, Rick Ross and Jay-Z. Um, so it was this myriad of like just totally completely different styles. Neo was there. No kidding. And um, and they were all really curious. Okay. I mean, like insistently, insanely curious. Um, Rihanna was funny and uh, spunky. Um, Jay-Z was very zen. Um, and his questions were about life and why do you huh. think that and why would you do that? Uh, Rick Ross's questions were about I'll keep it short with Rick Ross, um, but kind of about luxury and how you get there, mm. um, what you can utilize in order to improve your quality of life. And Justin Bieber was jumping on top of couches and and jumping down from them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it was this. Mariah Carey was known as a diva. That was what people knew her to be. Um, but she stood on what she believed. She asked for what she wanted and she created the most incredible and I'll use this word, excellent art. And mm. so uh, because of that, she did very well in the business of music. Yeah. Um, so those were the people I was around. Um, and then you have your godmama, um, Patti LaBelle, telling you everything's going to be all right. You've got Lionel Richie giving you advice whenever you get to see him. Um, so that's what it actually looked like. Okay. The business side bored me. It still does. <laughs> well said. I love the right to the point. Yeah. So how, so everything, everything was going well, essentially, right? Felt like, you, mm -hmm. did you feel like you were in a good place creatively as well? And you're clearly surrounded by some, some pretty remarkable humans to, uh, I'm assuming help just surface a lot of your, your best work, right? Yeah. What I learned from those particular humans is, um, if you think it, it's right. I'm not saying that's the greatest idea. But in the art space, um, you kind of have to trust that if you like something, that's okay. Yeah. And we would see Rihanna walk into a room, hear like 20 songs, pick two, and decide what her single was in that moment. Um, I would walk into a room with an orchestra and a jazz uh, ensemble and decide what chords that, the, that they were going to play and decide the lyrics. And I would have to leave it there. I couldn't pick it up and fix it. You know, you don't, that's not the opportunity you get in yeah. the business. Um, so yeah, they opened up my creativity. Um, they allowed me to explore, but they also expected me to explore. That was kind of like the rule is okay. that you explore. Um, it's almost rude not to. Okay. 
Um, and then I, I don't want to spend, to be honest, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on what you probably know what I'm going to bring up because it's just, I'm bothered by our society these days and how people treat others, but it's obviously, it's part of your journey and your story. And I imagine even, you know, the, who, the, who are you question, uh, you know, probably really it's loud and clear at that Same moment. answer. Same. I love that. I love that. Terribly. I mean, ter that's why I said it can lead you places and you get yeah. there and you're like, oh my gosh, this is because I asked why, isn't it? Yes. This is because I asked how. Yeah. This is because I asked who. And um, <clears throat> how many years ago? Okay. Seven years later. Yeah. I'm able to know that. I'm okay. able to know that curiosity and the, the, the interest in why people think the way they think and whether or not we can get along, whether or not we can have a conversation um, brought me to that place. Panic also brought me there. Well, I was going to um, ask like how, because to answer questions like that, usually, usually you have to try to get yourself out of a survival state, like set of emotions mm -hmm. and knowing, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll fill the audience in, in a second on the event, obviously, but knowing that like what happened, I, I know for my, for myself, and I feel like I've got access to a lot of mental fitness practices that would have been really challenging. Like I really would have had to figure out, okay, like how do I, how do I let my mind breathe long enough without jumping into panic or stress and survival mode to actually get some of that clarity around question like, yeah. like why right and also not fall into a, a why of because i think why questions are helpful to learn from but off they're they're tricky that we can get stuck in the loop like why me why oh, me, right? i wanted to know why donald trump thought like he thought when i oh, say i, I see what you're saying okay yeah okay, so let's so fill I, the audience I, so, I, I they're say, like, what the hell in. are they talking about yeah it's, okay. it's the uh it's the 2016 elections and we have Hillary Clinton. We have Donald Trump that we're voting for. Long story short, because yeah. now we have like Marion Williamson and Nikki Haley. But so they were kind of up against each other. And when Donald Trump said, grab him by the P-U-S-S-Y, um, I couldn't understand why, why, why the heart didn't matter as much as politics. Mm. Um, I couldn't understand why the heart didn't matter much as conservatives, conservatism. I couldn't understand why it didn't matter as much as democracy. I couldn't understand why it didn't matter as much as social. Like whatever your belief system is about government, I couldn't understand why it was okay for him to be comfortable saying, grab him by the pussy. And that, yeah. that statement, <clears throat> along with so many other things, put me into a state of panic because my question was, what are our American principles as, as human beings? Um, are, we, are we a Christian nation? Are we absolutely not? Are, what, what are our standards? And then you have, you know, we get introduced to so many other things like Buddhism and like yeah. um, just whatever we decide to explore. But if this nation refers to itself as this Christian nation, and the evangelicals have decided um, that this is the right candidate. What do what do we believe? Yeah, what is and that how mean? is that yeah. showing up right now? And I couldn't understand it, um, and it plagued me because, as a Christian, um, I felt like people were kind of playing around with that word. 
in order to get whether it be votes or just people on their side. I hated it. Um, if he would have said he was Buddhist, I would have felt the same way. I would say, well, with these principles, yeah, how are you? There's and a I, misalignment I like, here. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. What are you aligned with? Yeah. Um, and 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 if we're talking about um, the way that America is run, are, what part of that are you aligned with? It just seemed like there was no alignment anywhere. And I felt like the country was going to be in disarray if he became the president. Um, it wasn't necessarily um, that I, that I didn't believe in the conservative principles or some of the Republican ideas. Yeah. It was why is this man allowed to be referred to as the president of the United States when he thinks the way he does? So I get a phone call. Um, Would you like to sing at the inauguration? And they're like, you know, we'd like you to do, you know, entertainment, some jazz standards. And I'm like, I would love to sing at the inauguration. But I cannot entertain. It has to be lyrics or words that mean something. And so I called up a friend, Travis Green. I called up a couple of friends and I said, hey, can we sing this song? It's called Intentional. Um, and it's kind of a hopeful song mm -hmm. um, because I had felt like in that moment, Christians were losing hope, fighting yeah. each other, being devastated. And I said, what better, bigger stage can I go on to sing a message of hope, even though yeah. things look hopeless right now. So that was my, um, I'm going to use the word intention. That was my intention. But my mom always says, you have to have more than good intentions. You, you, you've got to have some wisdom. Sure. You've got to have some reality. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that was the time when I realized you don't get to panic and freak your way out into singing a song and then say, I wanted to make the world a better place. Like you're not allowed. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about is is sort of what led me to that. Um, singing on that stage got me canceled. Um, the Christian community did not say, well, she was singing one of our songs. <laughs> so no. it's OK. Yeah, they got they got me canceled. And I'm a secular artist. So I'm an I'm an, a soul and R&B singer. So nobody even thought, oh, this Christian girl, God bless her. You know, she had the right. No. Yeah. Um, no so that, that's that story. When did you yeah. know, Chrisette, that? Like, oh shit, this is not going the way at least I was mapping it out of my mind. And like the whole mission behind the message and, and bringing people together was out the window. Yeah. Please um, allow me to call myself a name here. I felt like an idiot that it took me so long to realize that. I felt like a um, uh, prideful that it took me so long to realize that. What makes you think that just because you meant well, you did well? Um, and that concept right there took me probably six months to be like, Chrisette, it didn't work. And you did a bad job. Nobody yeah. had to. I had to turn off social media and, and the news and all that kind of stuff immediately. Yeah. Change my number immediately. I was getting phone calls from different continents on my personal phone. Wow. Um, so I had, to, I had to turn off the noise right away. The, yeah. I just couldn't handle the noise, um, but I knew the noise was there and there was noise in my head. Um, so it took about six months to be like, you really didn't do what you wanted to do. What you meant to do didn't occur. And now it's time to see what did occur. Let's take a look at what did occur and how much of that were you involved with? It took about six months. Okay. Uh, I definitely want to, because this is, I think this is helpful uh, from the practice standpoint to, to dive into 
during that time, like how you were able to quiet some of the noise. I mean, the other thing I, I feel feel like I should point this out if, if people aren't picking you all like you've you sang two times before for President Barack Obama. And like that's obviously completely, you know, forgotten about in in a blink of of an eye, which that's why I had mentioned before us, like it's just I'm disappointed in us as society and how we treat people, right? Yeah. And and um and how we just jump to such judgment right away. So um yeah, did, I was disappointed too. And that's what I had yeah. spent those first six months being was they didn't hear anything I said. They didn't mm. see when I went to Iraq and sang for the troops. They didn't see when I sang for Obama. They didn't see me and Michelle Obama at my show. They didn't they didn't see me sing for Singapore. That like nothing I ever did made any sense. Yeah. That was the first six months. Um I had decided to call that pride only because you don't get to live there. Mm. Like I wanted to live there. I was right. I meant well, but I wouldn't have been able to, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel like I would have been able to get to my next step in life. If I stayed on, you know, how people say stand 10 toes down on what you believe. I've seen that not work. Yeah. Yeah. So was it, were any of those people that you mentioned before, still around to support at all like that maybe heard past the noise and was like okay like let's talk this through or did you have any other practices and journaling or anything like that that helped yeah so it was yoga right away okay. um it was in church <laughs> because yeah. i felt like i sing your song you didn't even see me yeah um so it was yoga right away uh and it was um, 300 hours of yoga immediately in an intensive course in New York City in a basement studio um, where you just couldn't hear anything from outside. Uh, mm. And I did that for months, every single day, uh, Monday to Friday, um, six hours a day. Um, and that's when it got really quiet. Uh, that's when I began to pray again because um, I didn't really have any questions for God for those first six months, it wasn't like, God, you know, what's, what's going on? I yeah. felt like he knows what's going on. I don't, I don't really want to know what's going on because it seems dangerous here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, don't even tell me just, you know, whatever's going on, just make sure I'm safe, please. And yeah. I was scared to go to the grocery store uh, at those first six months. I was scared to walk outside because the, the threats were really scary. Um, yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, We get to yoga. I, I'm driving myself back and forth. There's a garage right next to the yoga studio and you can stay there all day. So you're safe. Um, and there was a yogi Charu who kind of walked us through um, just non-attachment. I think non-attachment kind of saved my life a little um, because it let me not be attached to outcomes and to the outcome so that I could remove myself from the outcome and really get involved with what was going on on the inside. Um, and I found out a lot of bad things about myself um, that I needed to fix and work on. And I found out a lot of bad things about my culture that I got to be upset about that I didn't realize, you know, I ever needed to think about. I like to glaze over everything, but um, people are really mean. I got to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. So how, I mean, I know you said that you would answer the who are you question in the in the exact same way and i i do believe that 
But I also, there's got to be some elements there where, I mean, you've definitely grown as a person. You, it'd be nearly impossible not to go through that reflection and in everything you just described, there's so, it seems like there's so many little nuggets of wisdom that you picked up. But is there anything that really sticks out for you as, as a person that you've kind of gleamed from that whole experience helping you now in, in your, your next chapter, essentially? Yeah. You're not welcome everywhere. And you don't have to be afraid of rejection. I was petrified of rejection before that. And so being rejected by people who essentially looked like me, um, before that, I didn't say things like by people who looked like me. I didn't say things like the Black community. It just, it wasn't. But this time, I realized that there are people who identify with me who will hate me, um, who identify as me and will hate me. And I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with thinking differently. I have to be okay with having to have wanted to, to meet Trump. I wanted to meet him. I wanted mm-hmm. to look at him. I wanted to ask him questions. Um, I have to be okay with the fact that I'm inquisitive. Um, it's embarrassing sometimes. That was embarrassing. It was embarrassing to have wanted to do that and to have to admit that I wanted to. Um, people are going to hate some of those things about me. Uh, so that's the biggest takeaway is that everybody doesn't like you. Um, yeah. Just because you're smiling, you're nice, and you have, you know, the whole yoga thing, like people are still going to hate you. Um, and that has been my that's biggest. That's not for take- you to hold, you know, like you don't say it again. Hold. That's not for, that's not for you to hold. Like you don't have to hold that energy. But, that's kind of what I'm picking up from what you're saying. It's like, yeah, I don't it's have speaking to, facts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I saw a lot of people say things like, my haters are my motivators. And they'll wag their finger around. I'm like, I don't know if I'm motivated by haters, but I'm definitely not broken by them anymore. Mm. You know, they don't, they don't kill me. Yeah. So. So then what happened next? Like you came, you came out of 300 plus hours of yoga training. Obviously that's, you know, you're, we're, the certification came from as well and so forth. Mm-hmm. But what, what did life look like, like look and feel like around it? Cause the label had, I think dropped you at that point. Right. Or you left or, or I'm not sure the, the exact. Detail. That was my last, that was my last record with the label. I had already been released from the label, but I had another record deal with Capitol records. Hmm. And I think what's really funny is I went into depression after getting those 300 hours of yoga. Okay. I think it's because I was able to face that. I was sad. <laughs> it was I, like, oh, yes. this is sadness and it hurts. Yeah. And I sat in that for two years. I sat in it like without apology. I am depressed. And it was really Okay, so I hadn't cried for years before that. Industry will, you know, get you some tough skin. And I hadn't cried for years. I was in therapy. I was in three kinds of therapy. Okay. And um, and I sat on the couch one day and I began to cry. I said, oh my God. I said, look, I'm crying. I'm really, I'm really upset. And she, 
I'm kind of silly. So she knew like, Grisette's going to make a joke out of this, but it was real. I, I was so sad and so full of feeling and sitting with feeling was God, a mix between torture and alignment. It was like, it could hurt really bad, but I knew it was real. Yeah. And that was exciting for me to feel something real, even if it was pain. But yeah, after the whole let's get aligned thing, I got aligned with being uncomfortable. Well, you, <laughs> you got a lot. Yeah. But it's, it's, if this was 10 years ago, I would, I would not uh, be able to kind of empathize with that or, or relate to what you're saying. But having now worked in, in mental fitness and what, and having gone through my own journey, it, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like these these practices and modalities. You, usually, we for the for the most part, we stop numbing ourselves. You know, um, and there's many different ways, obviously, to do that. Uh, there's so many so many different ways. Just not to feel the feels, essentially. And then all of a sudden, we we pick up these practices that are designed to do the complete opposite, and you feel everything. And I remember for me, it was it was anxiety. I'm like why what is this like this i feel worse doing these practices yeah. now until to until you know getting to the point where i i think where where you got to as well where this is scary but it also feels very aligned and like there's something about it that like okay well this is maybe this is actually how we're designed to operate and and feel when yeah. we remove all of that you know those numbing agents and whatnot yeah God bless my husband at the time. Um, He stayed in disappointment and this is not fair and you shouldn't have to go through this and, you know, you shouldn't be treated this way. And it pulled us apart um, Mm. ridiculously. Yeah. You got married right around that. It was. I literally got married a year before this all happened and we got divorced a year after it happened. Okay. Um, So it was a really quick and we, we don't have to go into yeah, yeah. how the marriage happened and all that, but it was a really quick um, experience. Yeah. And um, the depression was so heavy. Um, and I had seen depression my whole life, bipolar depression uh, and, and two of my family members that it was diagnosably bad to where I got diagnosed with bipolar type two. Mm. And it was like a little trophy for me because I got to say to my brother, I'm crazy too. It's not just you. You were yelling too much as a kid. It's not just you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it gave me tools. It gave me tools like um, cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. and a program. Uh, we introduced me to medicine. Um, but I was like, if I eat enough quinoa and, you know, have enough kale, I'm sure we could click a button in my brain that turns bipolar off. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that go no no you, it doesn't turn off <laughs> you stay bipolar but some people decide to be bipolar and not um still do the work and some mm. people decide to be bipolar and still be on a path to wellness um yeah stay there. When I got diagnosed by, with bipolar, though, there's this concept or this idea in bipolarism um, called grandiosity, where you think you can do anything, you can save the world. So a lot of um, my friends in the industry who are bipolar or, you know, people who kind of live lives that are kind of loud and are bipolar, 
they have this idea that they can do that. Um, and so I, I just learned a lot about myself when I was depressed. Um, diagnosis that really helped me to to understand depression and to live with it in a in a really healthy, kind of fun, if you if I'm honest, way. Okay. Were you still recording any recording or making any music throughout those those years? I didn't want to. Okay. Because I didn't want to sing sad songs. Yeah. So when, know, was the, when did it flip? When, like what, was there a moment for you where you felt, I'm assuming there was a moment where you're like, I'm ready now to sing again and create and. A few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I still don't really want to create, um, not music. Yeah. Um, I want to create conversations now. So my brother's also a songwriter. I said, little, I'm just write everything you know about me down make songs out of it and then make me come to the studio and sing the songs um, because music is a part of my community um, or my tribe uh, that I've, that I've grown over the years. And I don't want to be selfish. Um, I still have a gift to sing and, and to perform. So I don't want to be selfish and kind of not give them something, mm-hmm. even though I, I have, I don't really have a great desire to, uh, to create music. Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. I, I I still have a desire to create, but music almost, it's almost too loud now. It's like, is it still, is the song still playing? Do you know? Is it, is, do you think it's too painful? Or are you just, like, I think just about that. Close? My, my pastor uh, brought that out once in a sermon and I sat and I thought about it. I said, am I hurt? Um, he said, because bitterness kind of gets in the way of your, your offering. I think it's just boring now. Um, and I'm sure that there'll be some discovery there. But, and I can still write songs. I just feel like there's so much more to do now. I've found so many issues that I need to understand, like before. Yeah. And and I would feel like I was doing myself a di- like I want to I want to farm, and I want some horses, and I want a homestead. Um, there's just so much that I still am excited about. Um, like I was excited about music years ago. I'm just not excited about music. It doesn't yeah. excite me. It's but so, it excites my brother. Well, it it's in- I mean, I this is only an N of two, but I I mentioned before recording, and, and some of the listeners might know this or remember when I was doing this, but when I recorded a pilot episode of a film series with Mia Martina. It, it like she went through, you know, a, a pretty traumatic experience in the music industry and, and had to let some of that go. And, you know, present day is like different words, but basically saying the same thing. Like she's, you know, she wrote a book. She's got another book coming. We're actually co uh, hosting a podcast. There's a bit of an experiment together and I mean, there's still some music, but uh, it's, I, I feel like it's the same sentiment, but for someone that is not in the industry that I remember being behind the board, just listening to, cause the second day we filmed in a studio, just even listening to Mia hum, it just like, it just stopped. It stopped the room. And I've been listening to your, your music, you know, religiously for the last couple of weeks and on repeat and it's it's hard to like i feel like from 
like outsiders from the industry because you you can you can hear and, and obviously while you're winning Grammys and 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 you know your music is so popular you have such a beautiful talent. Thank and you. It's like I you know it's like but you have yeah. to say like I want to say that but yeah. then there's the other side of it from a uh, you know like the the work it's like but no you have to do what like lights up your soul. Yeah. So please well, say, people you know? light up my soul. People light up my soul. Yeah. And um just because you don't like bananas doesn't mean you don't give them to your child, right? Yeah. Um I'm not going to smash my bananas up to eat them, but if if you if you want this music because I love you so much, I'll give it to you. Um, it just doesn't take up my thoughts. Mm. Um, maybe yeah. like it used to. Yeah. Um, and it's business now. I've learned how to to create business with music. And so now I understand that people receive music in spurts and you can give somebody an album and you don't have to do that again for a year or two. Yeah. So it's just not always on my mind. Yeah. But what? is on yeah. your mind and can and i can see this so clearly now like your just your curiosity through line for your body and, and soul uh this new podcast that you're launching i mean it, i'm biased of yeah. course given you know i've hosted at several shows but like what a beautiful way to fuel that curiosity and exercise that that muscle and you know just still really impact society through through your words and your your art and your craft so how did why don't you tell us a little bit about the the show and what it's all about and kind of how it came about yeah comeback sis um i originally thought if i could do a show where i give people all the tools i wish i had when i was in that state of depression um how does that look? What does that look like? And so I, we started interviewing people and it all happened kind of fast. Um, I had come up with a few concepts over the years. And then my one of my management uh, teammates was like, you have to do a podcast. Um, and so I went through a, a list of things that I needed in order to do it. And he went and got those things. And I was like, I guess I got to do this podcast. Just like the music business. They were like, you, you, you have to get a record label. I'm like, you figure it out. If it works, it works. That's kind of just how I am with sure. stuff. I like it. Um, so, yeah, I start getting into these interviews and I'm hearing people go through horrible, I mean, really uncomfortable things. Um, having had good intentions, most in good intentions usually have to do with protecting the self. And then that turns into, oh gosh, I hate to say this. Um, a community. So yeah. I need to protect myself. Everything's good. Maybe I'm infertile and I can't have children. So I need to change my diet. Now you're on Instagram being um, a diet expert. It, yeah. it usually starts with figuring something out with yourself and then giving it to yeah. other people. And so people have these, I'm talking about horrible stories and they turn their stories into offerings and that seemed to be the common thread with people who make it through discomfort is this discomfort is going to become wisdom and I'm going to be able to give that wisdom to other people. So I became super fascinated with, um, if I'm honest, how transparent and vulnerable people were. Mm -hmm. um, my, my time in the music industry 
I hated interviews because when I first got started, there was a lot of, um, back then we didn't call it this, but clickbait. So they'd yeah. ask you a terrible question and then highlight the answer. And that would be all people heard. And you would just continue to feel misunderstood. And you'd wonder if anybody knew you actually saying, saying yeah. songs. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, it was that that's the worst part of the industry. If you ask me is, um, the misrepresentation of people's hearts. It's like, no, this person is a songwriter and this is what the song says. Um, but I got to ask people questions and I was surprised how vulnerable they were because of my lack of vulnerability in interviews uh, for fear of being exploited. Um, and it has, it, has, it has become a treasure to me. I can't wait to share it um, to anybody who's been through something, um, let, letting them know they're not alone and letting them know that I hate I hate this term, but they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, because when you're figuring it out, it feels like forever. Yeah. Um, for me, depression felt like my lifestyle. I was like, okay, I'm depressed. Um, I wake up really late in the in the daytime. Um, I went on a raw vegan diet during that time. And I began to align my body. This might sound crazy to some, but with the moon and my cycle became aligned with the moon. Um, I just yeah. followed a lot of instructions from my yogi um, and I began to wake up my circadian rhythm, which is often your bipolar became very aligned and for lack of a better term, normal. Um, so there are wow. things that you can do in whatever you're going through that small changes yeah. um, begin to align you with the day yeah. for lack of a better way to say it. Well, it may not be the quinoa on the kale, but the moon definitely uh, that can definitely help. Uh -huh. I, um, there's so many, I, I wrote up, there was a chapter in, in my book about just moon energy and whatnot. And, and just okay. even, even, even if you're super skeptical about all of this stuff, like you just, I think, feel like you just have to zoom out and think about, well, if, if the moon is, is literally pulling the ocean around, Surely there's something going on here that we may not understand um, that is a little bit above our, you know, technology or intellect or something like that. And there's just so many, but this is where the curiosity comes in, right? Like if you're curious and you can ask questions like that and try things without judgment, then like, what do you have to lose? If your body responds to the moon, it responds to the moon. Yeah. It doesn't have to be uh, spiritual. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be religious um, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to become an alchemist. Um, although I used to call myself God's little alchemist. Um, when I started eating foods that balanced the water in my body, you could feel the moon pulling on you and, and, and kind of putting you into rest. And when you're, as a woman, when your cycle literally um, changes as the moon changes and becomes what it becomes based on the moon's cycle, you don't have to really ask questions. Yeah, there. for sure. If, I, if there's enough evidence there. Wow. Yeah. So I think it's a, be a beautiful thing to study and to look at um, when your body suddenly starts to wake up with the sun as opposed mm -hmm. to hating the sun because it, it got up before you. Um, now yeah. you marvel at uh, kind of... Um, being a part of what's going on. Yeah. And so depression is kind of about not being a part of what's going on. But when you begin to align with just your, 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 your biological makeup, 
scientifically, um, if we, we want to call it science. And um, the way that the, the atmosphere works, it helps you to come out of your shell. Yeah. Isn't is, that you, exciting? Is there, is there anyone, anywhere you would point people that would be interested in learning more? Like, did you have any good resources or things to search to like, kind of dive into this a little bit? A little bit more? Yeah, um, a lot, actually. Um, I would say two things. Get some plants, um, buy plants, house plants, mm. and play in the soil and see how, see how the soil affects the, the plants. Um, and, and start mixing soil and seeing, okay, well, this one works better with sand. And this plant works better with um, some wood chips and this type of plant. Okay. And then begin to think about how oxygen and water helps the plants to grow. I had at one point 28 house plants. Um, some were tropical, some were not. Yeah. And I had so much fun growing them and playing with them. And then I began to identify with them. Um, and, and the other the other side of it is in the grocery store, buy what you're attracted to. Um, so hang on in the produce section. Um, and I won't say preferably uh, one section over another, um, although I would prefer organic. But hang on in the grocery store and pick things up and smell them and just buy what you're attracted to in the produce section and then create go home and play with what you've yeah. you've you've bought i'm glad um, you those, added in the produce section because i could see people like I, oh great i'm in the middle of the grocery store and there's a lot calling my name but that's not that's not the I same didn't want to be energy <laughs> just want to send you to one little area i i found out that i was attracted at first to different colored things so for uh -huh. me in the beginning it was red and um, i was so excited to buy it raspberries and, and then I would have to find out how were tomatoes made and I found out that I responded better to tomatoes that I made in my in my little garden at the house in an apartment yeah than the ones at the grocery store and why is that um so I playing playing mm. with food and um playing with dirt is really helpful I love it. <laughs> I hope I that's not it. too weird I hope not it helps somebody no you've come to the right show there's no level of weird that is not accepted here that's for sure what i guess last i want to respect your time last start wrapping up like what what's got you really excited or what what's got you smiling day to day these days really fashion um mm. i love to play in clothes it's so freaking fun i've stopped apologizing about that just recently um i love bell bottoms and rocker tees and and fun big stone uh, rings. Um, I love to play in fashion. I think that's one thing that really was fun in the music industry is that you didn't have to apologize for yeah. going to the store and or going into the vintage shop and like having things remade. Um, but fashion makes me smile a lot. My brother is back in my life. Um, mm. He was uh, addicted to alcohol, okay. and for about fifteen years we didn't have normal conversation. Um, he became an AA warrior. Mm. He started um, uh, giving motivational speeches to other people. And when we went to go record the podcast, because he's great with singing, songwriting, and technology, he recorded it. And I would watch him because I didn't know this person. And he would he would go in the kitchen and say, is there any tea in here? He'd be like, tea? He wants tea? And I don't know this big sister. Somebody go get him. All the tea, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, 
I was just so my brother being in my life mm. and working with me has made the business of the music industry a lot more fun and rejuvenated because um, I get to see it through his eyes. Uh, yeah. So fashion and my brother have, have been lighting me up lately. And water that. fasting, weirdly enough, I don't know what it is about this time of the year, but um, you just feel so cleared in, in January. You just want to clear out. I don't know yeah. what that's about. Yeah. Um, but water fasting has been kind of fun, a fun experiment. So we're playing with that right now. How how long do you, I, I was just at someone's house yesterday who did a six day water fast and it was quite mm-hmm. interesting to hear the journey of that. I mean, he was super pumped about it, but there, it's, it's definitely not easy at certain points, but his journey was, I can't remember. I want to say day four for him was, wow. It's like, he was just firing all of a sudden. Like it was like a whole other world. What's, what's your fast look like? Or what are you playing with? Or? Kind of the same thing. And that's what I'm hearing from all my friends who, okay. who, I don't know why everybody, not everybody, but so many people just gravitated towards water. This yeah, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it started with, what is it? Uh, Winery or where you don't drink wine. Yeah. Whatever it was. And then people were like, I'm just going to go with water. Um, so I started suddenly, I mean, I have like all these different kind of really fun cell cleansers that friends have made and blood nourishers. Okay. I just started walking into friends who were like, I've got chlorophyll from <laughs> so and so. And so it, it, it was one of those moments where it was a lot of alignment suddenly. Yeah. Um, but the journey looks like um, now everybody shouldn't do this. And a lot of people don't agree with it. But for me, salt water flushes in the morning for the first three days okay. or maybe day two, three and four. Oh gosh. You're, okay. Your community knows that clearing out makes you so aware of what's in you. Yeah. And there is a such thing as kind of getting addicted to wellness and it can be healthy or not. Um, but when you feel clear like that and it's safe for, like your friend said, and you're sharpening, you're sharp and you're available to, to conversation or to, to curiosity. Mm. Yeah. I feel that. It's, it, it can be a little, because I try not to get big headed, mm-hmm. but some things kind of get you into big headedness. Like, oh my God, I can figure out the cure to what <laughs> that just, yeah. that starts to happen. And so you, you want to get rid of more things that don't belong in your body, whatever's yeah. been sitting in there. Yeah. Um, we don't think about that often, right? Like we have a, a lifetime of accumulating experiences, emotions, energy blocks, toxins, all of this stuff, right? But we, you know, we, we often don't like clean up the house and it's just, yeah. cause we don't see it. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's. So when you saw order flesh in the morning, you see it, you see it. <laughs> <laughs> you see it. There it is. House is clean. And you'll say no more of that. Um, and so uh, I, maybe your friend mentioned mucus. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. So, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Just, um, just <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> like, ah, uh, that's what she's talking yeah. about. Okay. Last question for you. <laughs> if you were, if you were recording an album right now, what would that album title be for you? Comeback sis. Um, and we mm. are recording one. Um, in front of my brother's eyes. My brother's really cool. 
he knows like when I make a face, what I'm thinking, I'm like, well, just write that down for me, please. Um, I love it. That in and of itself is just so stinking cool because he's seen everything I've been through. Um, whether we were talking a lot or not, he saw it and it, and he felt it. Um, he came and drove the car up to my house to, to pull me out of my divorce. Mm. He, he grabbed the coffee grinders with me. Um, he can write about that and he loves my voice and he yeah. thinks it's really cool and special. He knows every note that I hit and he knows all my riffs. Um, so having him write my life down for me and having the honor of, of hearing myself the way he hears it, by the way, that's the thing in the music business. Um, songwriters come and hang out with you all the time, have a conversation and write a song about you. And you're like, is that what I said? And they're like, yeah. Wow. So Come Back Sisters is the name of the album. Okay. Uh, it's the name of the book. Uh, but first, it's the name of the podcast. I can't wait. I can't wait. You are just one beautiful, bright light in this world. And I'm I, like, I just have goosebumps even, even expressing this. I'm just so grateful our, our paths have crossed and that you're so open to to sharing your story and sharing, you know, just, I think thoughts and observations that like many just would like, I'll, I'll leave that to myself, but there's, those are the moment, those are the things that I think many of us struggle with or think about and to hear you to share, you know, open and with vulnerability is, is really uh, beautiful to, to experience. And, and Thank I think you. people can feel, I mean, I can feel it. You can, you can feel that energy and I just, I just can't wait. To, to experience more of your creations and, and your messages uh, into this world. They're so important. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. You'll hear, you'll see me cry on the podcast and be really upset about some things. So sure. We'll <laughs> mix it up. Stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned. Well, thank you. Thank you.